नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारवर्क पॉडकास्ट एंड आफ्टर ह्यूज ब्रेक अभिजीत अयर मित्रा इज बैक ऑन द पॉडकास्ट अभिजीत अयर मित्रा इतना ज्यादा बोलता है कि उसका थ्रोट खराब हो गया था कि इसके लिए मैं अभिजीत को बोलता हूँ इतनी सारी बातें मत किया कर मगर अभिजीत इज लाइक बसंती वो बहुत सारी बातें करता है बट वी आर ग्लैड दैट ही इज फाइन नाउ एंड ही इज कमिंग बैक एंड टॉकिंग अबाउट इट सो टूडेज टॉपिक एंड लेट वी गिव यू गाइज अ ब्रीफ आइडिया सो अभिजीत एंड आई हैव दिस थिंक एवरी मंथ वी थिंक कि अभी आज अभी ये महीने क्या बात करेंगे सो वेन वी वर thinking about what do we talk about i just had this random thought and i told abhijit abhijit let's talk about street food not specific uh, like food in general but street food and the first reply abhijit gave was kavine isko research kaise karenge sabse toughest subject hai research karne ke liye and then i was like why is he saying that and then i actually started researching and believe me abhijit and i have done many discussions where abhijit shares links with me i share links with him this was by far till now and we must have done at least 15 videos dedicated serious videos this is the toughest video that i have done with abhijit we were mind effed dimag kharab ho gaya tha ki sala kahan jaye research kaise kare source kahan se laye all the history that we could find is here say based on oral sources so anyways sab ho gaya abhijit to bhi apne aap ko unmute kar le and welcome Jai Shri Ram to everyone and thanks for having me on. Yeah, okay. So Abhijit, Abhi, before we get into the details, first, thoda sa ek structure. Let's first because the the title is street food in India. So let's maybe can you start with this? Can you explain like what makes street food unique from let's say generic hmm. food then? But first, let's start with what the hell is street food, right? Because okay. uh. street food could be literally anything served on a street uh, a restaurant is on a street okay so uh, does restaurant food then become street food uh, so what basically differentiates street food from say restaurant food uh, the first is cost okay uh, affordability for the masses and as you'll see during this thing why it becomes so uh, why that cost factor is important the second is that each outlet has a limited variety unlike going to a restaurant where you have like a 15 20 40 100 page menu uh each street vendor will specialize in just maximum 5 6 items and that's it right uh, if at all that some of them will just specialize in one item mostly the truly famous ones just specialize in one item the third and most obvious one is seating uh street food will more often than not he may provide you with a stool at best but you won't get streeting so it's easy to eat uh maybe maximum with a spoon as opposed to say mobile food like wraps uh wraps would be included in street food but not necessarily just street food right so seating is the third thing so this is what constitutes street food now the problem was you know street food in india uh first issue sources uh there's very little sources and the sources that you have are overwhelmingly bullshit sources you know these are like the people who tell you that uh, though we had uh, though we were the only cultivar of rice for a very long time other than china and southeast asia 
uh, it took people from a land that does not grow rice to teach us how to put meat and rice together and cook it together and call it biryani so if uh, you know if those are the kind of sources you use obviously they're not very reliable in terms of street food and of course there was a complete lack of uh 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 authentic sources down there which i could go back to and refer to in whatever they wrote they'd write op-ed columns but there's be very little in terms of primary sourcing at all right uh the second issue in researching this was that street food is a very recent phenomenon in india okay and there's a reason for it uh again my and uh, your pet uh, uh, peeve caste uh because caste purity means one is essential thing of street food is uh you know it's it's meant by everybody for everybody and when you have these purity norms that a brahmin cannot eat at a, a chettiar's house and a chettiar cannot eat at um, uh, an obc person's house and an obc person cannot eat as an sc st's house uh, a brahmin will not serve an sc st person etc 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 uh you know the market gets too fragmented for you to have a thriving street food culture right as opposed to say places like china uh or surprise surprise ancient rome which uh, and greece which had huge street food cultures especially rome rome we actually have a very uh, uh in detail list of street food culture so to understand india let's understand why rome first developed a street food culture it also apparently developed around simultaneously in china and the main reason for that is urbanization right so in rome specifically what used to happen was you used to have apartments that used to go up to 8 9 stories the highest they found is something like a 9 story apartment and in those days where everything was brick and wood cooking at home on the 8th or 9th story was a complete fire hazard so you needed to have these street restaurants where people could go and eat even today if you go to say places like iran or uh, france and things the local in france the local baker is important for you in mexico the local flour mill is very important for you you take your corn it goes into the public mill and it gets ground in the public mill because that kind of fineness you will not you, you need an industrial machine in iran you prepare your own bread but you take it to the public oven which is there at every street not anymore now of course you have bakers but traditionally that was what used to happen and of course these guys came up with a complete street food culture in china it was quite a robust street food culture for quite some time as far as we can remember same also in uh, uh, vietnam and thailand and thailand of course what you know as thai food today is not what thai food was sometime back right so that that's a whole different uh, uh, discussion but uh, basically this is what it comes down to street food in india because of late urbanization is a very recent phenomenon uh, except if you take places like say delhi or lucknow uh, muslim cities essentially where a lot of the logic was you know you become muslim to obviate caste and everybody eats everything anyway their dietary restrictions except for pork are none uh, even like the jewish dietary restriction of not mixing meat and dairy doesn't exist in muslims so you did have street food cultures uh, uh, develop here 
The thing was, what was that street food? And it was mostly roasted meats. Okay. Uh, kebabs, essentially. Now, uh, this is the background. This is, I'm giving you the uh, uh, problems that we had in researching this topic. Uh, because can I, I ask a yeah. question here? I just, I'm, mm-hmm. I just want one question. Ek, you know, uh, street food, sometimes what we experience is like, there are many things that are available on the street and kind of mm. from the street have become mainstream and vice versa ulta from the mainstream that have become street food. So how do we classify just because we are on the definitional phase? I just had one question because I did not know, have any answer for this. So what do you think about it? So there is no clear definition of it. Like I said, it's only the difference between a restaurant and what you'd call street food. But uh, in terms of the economics and the serving, not in terms of what is actually served. Okay, because a kebab uh, would also be made in a five-star restaurant. I know lots of uh, idiots who go to eat chaat at the Taj or the Oberoi. Uh, of course, why you would do that completely beats me, but uh, because the chaat there does not taste good. I mean, I really pity people who go to five-star restaurants to eat chaat because you're much more likely to get f- food poisoning in a five-star uh, uh, eating chaat. Uh, but uh, people do. So, you know, that cross-pollination, uh, you, th- there's literally no way of being able to define it. Right. So it becomes problematic. So, for example, if you go to Old Delhi, uh, biryani, which was originally a palace dish, is a street food. Uh, 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 a Shah Jahani korma will be served on the roadside with naan. You eat it on the uh, move, uh, which was developed for the palace kitchens of Shah Jahan. Right. So it's the dish doesn't make street food per se. It's the whole culture of street food. As opposed to say something like in France, you would never really get a bouffe bourguignon on the street or a chicken a coq au vin on the street. Uh, just to translate that, that's beef cooked in burgundy wine and uh, an old cockerel chicken cooked in wine. You won't really get it on the street. It's it's a restaurant dish and they've got a category of restaurants called bistros, which would you know serve you uh, this kind of food. But it's not street street food per se. Basically, it's something, and this is the particular curious thing. It's the sort of uh, paradox, I guess, in it, that street food is extraordinarily good. But it's also extraordinarily cheap. Okay. Cost is a very important factor. The same 200 rupee dosa that you eat, now it's, I, I've seen dosas worth about 400 rupees in uh, uh, the Oberoi, uh, will cost you 15 to 20 rupees on the road. And it will be much better than a dosa at the Oberoi. Right? So that's a very important factor that comes in. Uh, at the same time, it's way better. The quality is way better. And when we get into the economics part, I'll show you why it's way better. Uh, There's actually an economic rationale for why a street dosa or dahi papri chaat or belpuri will taste better on the road than it ever will in a restaurant, including in say, Haldirams or uh, uh, Bika Nervala. 
ठीक है ओके सो एक्सक्यूज मी सो लेट्स स्टार्ट विद दिस सो वी डिस्कस्ड हाउ इट वाज फंडामेंटली बोर्न ऑफ अर्बनाइजेशन अर्बनाइजेशन इज वन ऑफ द बिगेस्ट ड्राइवर्स ऑफ स्ट्रीट फूड ओके यू गो टू विलेजेस फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल विलेजेस आर स्मॉल राइट Uh, 15, 20 uh, uh, people living out there, as in true villages. I'm not talking about urban villages like uh, uh, you know uh, the kind you find on the national highways, which are theoretically villages, but they're uh, places of five, six, seven thousand people, which can't be classified as a village by any stretch of the imagination. There's simply no economies of scale for a guy to go out with a cart and sell food out there. Even a hundred families, your business, the size of your market is not big enough for you to. uh get that uh urbanization also breeds a lack of space and a lack of access to fuel aajkal to everybody has gas but remember a few 100 years back you did not have gas you had to collect wood or coal or cow dung now finding that in a city is quite difficult there's also the fire hazards of pre modern cities which is makes things very problematic so it was urbanization is a key driver of street okay and you can actually gauge urbanization by street food uh you can also gauge you know the kind of uh, uh uh economic wealth by street food in that sense the second is specialization and this is what makes street food very good if you go to a restaurant uh let's say the taj we've picked on the overall now let's pick on the taj uh where you go to uh, okay uh, taj mein ye itc mein hai na peshawari peshawari bukhara sab itc mein hai na ha you go there pe gaye the tu aur main ha tu aur main now they'll have chart out there but the guy is not trained in chart he makes a hundred different things making let's take something simple like belpuri in a belpuri what do you have you have puffed rice uh you have bhujia which is made out of chickpeas uh, puffed rice which is uh, heated uh, bhujia which is deep fried besan chickpea flour uh, which is uh, uh, deep fried you have crumpled papad which is made of maida or atta or suji sometimes uh, with a bit of cumin which and ajwain which is uh, um uh, again deep fried then you have the two chutneys some boiled potatoes what are the two chutneys the red chutney and the green chutney some people have that third chutney which uh, is not actually essential uh, and then you add your raw onion raw cucumber the coriander and the lime juice to it and the raw tomato to it and mix it up now a belpuri vendor specializes in getting the crunchiest bhujia in the crunchiest uh, 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 papri in the fluffiest uh, 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 rice which he can buy which a restaurant would also buy the chutneys are his specialty they are his secret recipe and he specializes in just that one thing so you know when you're talking about division of labor street food your chart vendor essentially exemplifies that street food culture which is again a product of urbanization which is that division of labor that extreme division of labor right very important part of that so what happens in the division of labor is 
this guy is going to specialize in making a red chutney and green chutney that is fundamentally it has to be better than uh, your five star restaurant the second thing is street food is judged by people who are extremely price conscious they will be quality conscious they will be quantity conscious because they want the biggest bang for their money as opposed to somebody who's going to a five star who's going there not for the taste of the food but to show everybody else that he owns a heck of a lot more money than you and he can afford to blow it i mean if you're going to a five star for chaat clearly you don't have very good taste do you you will eat and you will pretend it's like the emperor's new clothes just because i mean you've seen my twitter timeline where i label idli as uh, you know f- uh, uh, clouds of steamed fermented uh, rice and siberian herd lentils uh, fermented in a uh, uh, siberian uh, a fermentation vat made by the ethnic yakut people of the oymyakon region uh, with uh, uh, um, Uh, st- uh, steamed in water hand picked from uh, the dew that falls on the petals of flowers in the andes by nubile virgin ladies uh, on a moonlit night blah blah bullshit uh this is another aspect of it they will fundamentally uh not be as sensitive to market forces as a street vendor is a hotel chef is not so dependent on how good his food is as he is on running an efficient assembly line unless you're looking at very very high end restaurants with heavily regulated things like french michelin three stars and things like that and i've eaten at lots of michelin three stars and i can tell you the food in some of them is absolute dreadful shit uh, uh including at uh, uh, this place kata uh, el puli which feran adria which was always rated number 1 i've eaten there once uh, never again uh but the street guy remember his entire livelihood depends on it it's literally to keep the f- quality of the food good to keep his customers coming back is a matter of life and death it is his sole source of income it's also much more competitive if the uh uh uh, uh belpuri wala next door sells more or better belpuri he's going to go out of business he he has to compete just to survive to the next day okay it's a classic case of capitalism keeping you on your toes as opposed to conspicuous consumption which is what chart at the taj is right or itc sorry uh, we'll pick on all the five stars today uh the next very important thing you have to look at it why does urbanization drive this it's a factor of cost now undoubtedly if you made the same belpuri at home per serving of that size it would be cheaper the issue is you will never be making a serving of just that size okay so the belpuri that costs you 20 rupees might actually only be worth about 5 6 rupees and if you make it at home you will make it for 5 6 rupees the issue is there is 1/8 of a tomato in there maybe a quarter or half at most if you're a, if you love onion bread then half an onion in there uh 
half a lime in there, uh, about 10-15 leaves of coriander in there, maybe ye much uh, 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 puffed rice, uh, well, ye much puffed rice, ye much bujia, and two papris. If you go to a shop, a vegetable vendor, is he going to sell you one-eighth of a tomato? Is he going to sell you half an onion? Is he going to sell you 10 leaves of coriander? No. So to make even that small thing, that one small plate of puri, if you made it at home, you'd fundamentally, it would cost you a lot more, even though the per unit consumption might be a lot less. And one of the signs of urbanization is the atomic family, right? We know this in a lot of urban cities where kids and parents live apart, etc. Running a joint family is tough. You can't create the economies of scale to justify it at home. So this was one of the very important things where it is more expensive than if you made it, yet it is also less expensive than if you made it because of the economies of scale. So that entire, what that three rupee bail puri that you're paying 20 rupees for, that remaining 17 rupees is value addition to the economy, which is what makes street food a huge driver of the economy. A lot of countries take it very seriously. In India, of course, we never take any, any of our food heritage seriously. <coughs> and they regulate it. They take great pride in it. Uh, do you know Thailand actually has a state-approved uh, uh, system for classifying and running all these things. The French and the Italians, of course, have their appellation controls and things, which is slightly different. But they're also getting into, there's a lot of talk about getting this into food and classifying the original uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, the next, it also solves. Now, remember, today we're very used to going on big basket and ordering tomato, onion, uh, puffed rice, uh, ready-made haldirams bhujia, uh, ready-made papri from, say, Bikaner Wala that will be available uh, online. You buy it and do this. Sourcing wasn't so easy for people before. So, you know, for this one guy, it made sense for him to go and shop for exactly what he wanted. As opposed to normal homes that made do with what they had. Right. Uh, so this was another very important thing. The next thing is time savings. Think about this. For you to puff up rice, to make the bhujia first with chickpea, salt, chili, whatever, mix it, put it in a bhujia press, fry it in industrial quantities of oil. Then sit and knead the paprika dough with the ajwain in it and the jeera in it. Make the this thing, fry that in industrial quantities of oil. And then make the two chutneys take you a heck of a lot of time. It gets prepared in 30 seconds in front of your eyes. But the prep time there is no less than the amount of prep you would do in a three-star missionary restaurant. Which is why, you know, I find it amazing that people don't appreciate their local bloody chatwala. They don't appreciate their local bloody bhelpuri wala or their pao bhaji wala because you have no idea the amount of bloody prep that goes into this. But haramzade jake 5,000-6,000 rupai dalke ITC be papadi chat khake aayenge. Ya taj me jake papadi chat khake aayenge. Okay. Yeah. Which would all 
basically be pre-made and sourced from somewhere else. This guy is making it himself, right? Mm -hmm. So the time savings for you is enormous. If you or I made Belpuri at home from scratch, it would take us the whole goddamn day. Whereas here it's saving you so much time, you're getting a full meal in two minutes. The next very important thing out here is, uh, you know, the fact that it is made quick, made quickly, which is time saving. Why? Because jobs will not give you two, three hour lunch breaks for you to cook. Most people do not have the sort of Dabbawala system that Bombay has for your home food to come to you. So it has to be made quickly for you right there. You eat it quickly and you go back to work. It is essentially made to sustain a modern workforce or even in pre-modern times, a quasi-modern workforce, which you would see in an urban area. Right. But isn't that very curious? Because today, uh, of course, caste is almost non-existent as we know it today in terms of uh, you know, uh, segregation. Today, you will not, not have a Brahmin say, I will not go to an SCSD person's house and not eat food, except some people that we know who claim caste purity, alas, uh, and etc, etc, etc. So it's urbanization is a great equalizer. And at least in the Indian context, that urban street food culture has been a huge negator of caste. Have you ever, unless you're Ravish Kumar, would you actually go ask your chatwala, Tera jat kya hai? No, nobody asks. No, but Ravish Kumar would. Oh, yeah. He's too elite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he will only eat chat at the Oberoi. But uh, uh, have any of you ever gone and asked your chatwala, Tu kon jat ka hai? Okay, it's a fantastic social equalizer, just like urban urbanization produces the uh, centrifugal forces for uh, a, a, a sort of uh, elimination of class and caste in the Indian context. And food, because it was so associated with purity in India, is one of the best exemplars or symptoms of the fact that urbanization and industrialization lead to the uh, elimination of a lot of your social inequalities. Some of these people are so specialized that even we know for a fact in ancient Rome and ancient China, because they maintain sources much better than we do. Because we used to write in uh, on leaves, uh, leaves decay, it's organic material. Whereas Chinese and Roman sources will show you how some street food vendors became so specialized that the houses of the rich used to send containers for them to buy the stuff and take it back home. Right. So uh, this, again, was a very, very important thing. I told you the uh, 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 the economics rationale of why it, it, it is the uh, it is the large market that creates the street food and the street food that sustains the worker in that large system. So, you know, it has to be fast moving items. And the most important thing here is the money goes back into the local economy. It is actually going into somebody's pocket to sustain their mom's 
uh, heart surgery or uh, uh, their uh, 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 i don't know their children's education as opposed to going into buying uh, uh, mr tata's next car or uh, in case of say the marriott or uh, hyatt going to buying some american uh, ceo's gulfstream jet you're actually injecting money into the local economy into things that matter you are micro financing you are micro targeting in your five star hotel bill for example that 12 to 15000 rupees per room per night you pay you're paying for the air conditioning of the lobby which you've used for just 10 15 minutes you're paying for the flowers in the lobby which you don't see for more than 30 seconds okay uh, you're paying for a whole load of shit that you don't require whereas here that entire amount is going for exactly what you have used so it's also a way of micro targeting micro financing almost you can call yourself uh, till uh, mohammed yunus coined the term micro financing you you were actually a micro financer in a sense because you were targeting to it to a very specific need right uh, so th- these were some of the things i wanted to uh, touch on when we are dealing with street food uh, now in india specifically we can go into this into the chatting because uh, there is a lot of regional variations in street food which i didn't want to get into because i just wanted you to think about the first principles of what street food does what the economics of street food is what drives street food etc etc so now we'll go into the discussion and q and a Actually, one thing I wanted to understand when it comes to street food and uh, in India, what is uh, like? Do we have any evidence? I could not find any in my research of where inside India the first states where street food came outside of Delhi. Like, uh, is Delhi the first place, or uh, like, like let you know? There's this. Uh, we will. keep the quintessential debate of which street food which state in india has the best street food or which city has the best street food most people seem to say kolkata does uh, uh, has the best street food i i have never been to kolkata so i i genuinely draw a blank because i i am not in a you know situation where i want to uh, i can even comment on it so i just say okay if that is the best place but like uh, beyond delhi there is no earlier trace of it by the way i i am that crazy i checked for street food evidences in ivc i could not find any mm. but it is a reasonable assumption that there might have been been street food uh you having an urban culture without street food would be very difficult uh it might have been cooked at home and brought out there uh mm. it is almost natural to assume because a city fundamentally represents a division of labor hmm. the question is do we have the proof for it uh it's a reasonable assumption to say the ibc had street food we know for a fact that ur uruk the mesopotamian cities of the time and the egyptian cities of the time did have street food because we have surviving accounts of it uh it is almost certain that harappa mohenjodaro did have street food the question is do we have either allegorical evidence or epigraphic evidence or written evidence or handed down evidence no we don't right so again this becomes a problem 
Uh, and this is just to clarify, because I remember one idiot commented when on your last podcast when I said the Mayans independently invented the zero 200 years before we did. Uh, there was a particular idiot who commented on it saying, you know, Indians have always had the concept of zero. You know, when you breathe in as part of pranayama, it, it is a, a anthropomorphic representation of zero, where you're emptying out your lungs and breathing out. So that means the first, uh, uh, you know, the, the first bloody uh, organism that uh, took oxygen breath invented the zero. Na? We're talking about a very specific notational, mathematical, usable invention. So again, here, it is about the first epigraphic source or the first uh, uh, handed down source, uh, uh, apocryphal source, uh, handed down. Uh, we know for a fact that there was street food in Lucknow for quite some time. Uh, we have uh, a lot of references to street food in uh, Delhi. I think one of the earliest uh, pictures of a street food vendor we have, which I tried searching for that I've seen, not that we have, that I've seen, is in uh, 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 Old Delhi taken immediately after the 18. 58 sack of Delhi by the British at the end of the uh, 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 1857 uh, rebellion. Uh, but what's curious is if you look at watercolors by the British uh, who were very good uh, at documenting the whole of society, you see a very curious absence of things in India. There was this fantastic book I had Watercolors of the 1700s by British painters, British watercolor guys. Uh, you don't see street food. Uh, similarly, if you look at Egypt, for example, uh, Egypt, uh, have you seen a tomb where street food is depicted in any of the paintings? No. But the texts tell us that there was street food. So clearly there was, just because you don't see it in a tomb or don't see it in a book of watercolors doesn't mean you had street food. We just have no idea of knowing what that street food was, uh, how much it sold, because even within a mahalla, you can have a heck of a lot of street food. You know, uh, uh, the way cities work is even about four or 5,000 people together can sustain a halwai, quite easily sustain a halwai, uh, which would be quite common. Uh, on the other hand, if you read something like, say, Meenakshi Amal's cookbook, which is the first Indian cookbook that I know of, uh, this Tambram lady who wrote three volumes for her grandkids on what all to make and how to make it, it's very clear that even for things like Italy's dosas, halwa, barfi, etc., they simply would not eat out. Everything was made from scratch at home. Because she also tells you how the women of the house should cater. In part three, she tells you how you should cater to a crowd of 100, 200, etc., etc. Now, did it apply to all the communities? We don't know. But remember, the lack of evidence does not mean the absence of something. It's easy to infer that it was. The earliest photographic evidence is from 1858, 58, 59. I forget when that photo was taken. Uh, the earliest, uh, well, we don't know about earliest references, but uh, from the interpretation, the translations of Huen Sang I've read, 
there is some street food available at that point of time in the big cities interesting now is the is meat or the presence of meat as a dietary ingredient of a, a, a necessary condition now i know in india today you have like ghatkopar in mumbai right it is known for street food and you don't get meat so it's not like i'm not aware of this guys please uh, try and understand but what i'm trying to say is um is is meat a really important ingredient for the origin of street food uh in india it's actually quite the opposite uh because remember things like uh and this is something i want our viewers to understand because i feel very strongly about this if you go to youtube if you uh if you cook or somebody in your family cooks and they ask you to research if you youtube a recipe for chaat and if you find them putting lassan into the uh, either the red sauce or the green uh, uh the red sauce or the green sauce lal chutney and badi hari chutney for your bel puri and chaat and whatever uh it's a bullshit recipe don't go buy it interesting okay. and the reason is because street food had to cater to the largest possible section a person who eats meat will also eat vegetables a person who eats onions and garlic will also eat food without onions and garlic but a person who does not eat onions and garlic will definitely not eat anything with onions or garlic in it and in turn will not eat meat so it always cater to the lowest common denominator which is actually a very good gauge when you see a cluster of street food it's actually a very good gauge of vegetarianism or a lack of vegetarianism in that area okay so uh, a chart vendor and this is why the onion is sprinkled on top it's kept separate and it's sprinkled on top theek hai na in a pav bhaji on the other hand it's put towards the end and cooked in the initial process does not have onion in it it's in the last part where they add some uh, butter at the end and fry the pav uh, bhaji masala the onion just flash fry it and methi uh, and then mix it in where the onion is added there's always the option of keeping onion out which i found quite i mean it never struck me till we started researching the street food episode today but it caters to the lowest common denominator on the other hand if you go to the jama masjid area almost everything you get will be meat okay so meat or protein or the lack of it does not define street food but it is a very accurate reflection of what people in that area want and eat and in india the very fact that most of your street food overwhelmingly is vegetarian frequently without onions almost always without garlic the only garlic laden vegetarian food that i could find was the vada pav and that uh, garlic peanut chutney that red garlic peanut chutney that you put into uh, things in mumbai uh, and is it it cured in mumbai 
And isn't it curious that that continues, that Maharashtra Konkan belt, it continues into Karnataka because that bene dose that you put, that red chutney smeared inside is red chilies and garlic. Okay. Uh, but you won't find it anywhere else. That garlic usage is kept out of the equation completely. You go for <coughs> street food in uh, Gujarat, uh, you're not going to get garlic in that at all, boss. Hatya ho jayegi. You know, uh, if you try putting garlic in something out there. It's, it's a very accurate reflection of a neighborhood, its composition, what they eat. You know, now that you say this, it's so amazing because in, in Mumbai, I'll tell you two specific examples. In Andheri, uh, there is this NM Mithibai College area. Uske pe ek juice center hai. Uske aage thoda na, there is a pav bhaji wala. I forgot what the name of the stand was. I remember that guy was Muhammad pav bhaji wala. That guy is a Muslim vendor selling pav bhaji. The only non-veg thing that he would dare to sell in that street vendor place. They always start from a street vendor. Then they have the street thingy ready out. But they have a chota dukan also. He used to sell only omelette. I said, I remember years ago, I stopped going there. So he <coughs> said, Kisab, we Gujarati area. We don't have to die meat. We will stop customer. We will not sell it. We will not sell clear bola. And, and here is a Muslim who sells only egg as an exception. Baki, no meat is allowed. And then on the other hand, if you, you know, I know of Hindus, uh, Punjabi Amritsari Kulche Wala, his ethnicity is directly from Amritsar. He is in, in an area in Chembur, which is called uh, the Sindhi Society Extension. He is on the back side, where all Punjabi Sindhi refugees came, they opened their food joints. उसके वहां पे आज भी है ना उसके जो छोले हैं ना अभिजीत वो जैन तरीके से ही बनेंगे अनियंस अगर आपको चाहिए वो अलग से देगा तो मैं एक दिन थोड़ा फ्रस्ट्रेट हो गया मैं उसका सरनेम मेहरा है मैंने उसको कहा ओ यार तू क्यों करता है ये बोलता है नहीं नहीं जैन कस्टमर है मार डालेंगे मेरे को सो इवन द एग्स दैट दिस गाय सेल्स डू यू रियलाइज हाउ मेनी कस्टमर्स ही ड्राइव्स अवे जस्ट बाय द फैक्ट दैट ही कुक्स एग्स या ही वुड एक्चुअली बी ड्राइविंग अवे अ लॉट ऑफ कस्टमर्स I want him, I, I'm wondering if you know him well enough, ask him to get a uh, experiment uh, to get rid of the eggs and see if his business increases. Okay. Uh, you will in fact find uh, a lot of restaurants that claim to be Jain, Pure Veg, etc. etc. in order to attract more customers. Okay. Uh, the second thing that you said, uh, notice a traditional samosa does not have onions in it. A traditional yeah, kachodi is a dal kachodi which does not have onions in it. Never. Okay. A, uh, this is why in Jodhpur you get a special pyaaz ki kachodi where you have to ask. That also mostly has aloo in it. There is less pyaaz and more aloo in it. But it is called pyaaz ki kachodi to identify that it has onion in it. And you know, today we take onions for granted, boss. Aaj do you know anybody who actually doesn't eat onion garlic? I know maybe one or two people who are quite old. I mean, I'm raised Younger in Mumbai, people. so I have a huge Jain uh, population. So I I actually meet a lot of Jain people. And because I'm Punjabi again, so we have this culture of Vaishnava food. Na? So Vaishnava maybe in our 
वो अनियन गार्लिक नहीं खाते बट दिस इज माई श्योर को इंसिडेंस बट आई कम्प्लीटली टेक योर पॉइंट यू बेरली मीट पीपल and urbanization has that thing it tends to homogenize cultures right uh, <coughs> so you will uh, actually have to look for a lot of things that include uh, onion and garlic specifically uh, so it's 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 it, and this is where i find this is i guess the good side of caste and dietary uh, 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 variations is that it produces so much more variety uh in france for example agar jaoge every city has its own speciality dish and the city will homogenize its dish to be the same but in india each city will have bloody 20 speciality dishes because each community specializes in one particular dish mm. right so for example let me give you madras where i grew up uh you would only go to certain shops for idli you would go only to certain other shops for dosa uh the meat serving shops were completely different you know we have a thriving marwadi community in madras where you would go for marwadi food and there were specific places for jain street vendors and i'm talking about street dosa uh, street idli street meat uh, 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 and uh, uh, street uh, 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 kachoris and sandwiches and things like that they used to make and you know it had even adapted like you know in bombay you have these chopped up sandwiches uh in their marwadis have you know within uh, two mini murkus you know what murku is chakli no, or whatever you call it oh got it got uh, it got it got it got it बेसन का ही बनता है फ्राइड राउंड स्पाइरल थिंग क्रंची दे विल मेक ए मुरकू का चाट अनियन ऑप्शनल ऑन टॉप मारवाडीज इट अनियन बट द लॉट ऑफ प्लेसेस यू गो इन मद्रास इन ओल्ड मद्रास वेयर द मारवाडीज एंड जैन्स लिव टुगेदर इन द जैन एरियाज द अनियन इज ऑप्शनल नहीं चाहिए तो नहीं डालेंगे राइट नाउ मद्रास इज सम प्लेस वेयर आई i know extensively because i spend most of my time there uh you find these things you don't get them in south delhi i don't dare go into north delhi but south delhi is a extremely urbanized thing that doesn't have a culture of its own per se right uh so you don't get it but even here if you look at street food culture where i live in sadarjang enclave the center of sadarjang enclave is a place called humayunpur which has a very high population of northeastern uh, students and workers you do not get northeastern street food there you only get uh, momos sure you get momos but then do you even classify momos as momos is seen today as a delhi thing people come to delhi to eat momos you don't go to shillong to eat momos but on the streets you do not get pork momos you only get veg momo paneer momo chicken momo hmm hmm so the northeastern fondness for pork will not be satisfied on the streets out here i wonder why hmm i don't know it's but uh then i decided to have a look again uh and you know my driver he lives in that area he's a land owner in that area 
70, he owns about, he's richer than me, incidentally, I found out. Uh, yeah, he is. I mean, owning 15 plots of land in here, uh, each plot of land is worth about 6-7 crores, boss. Uh, he's actually significantly richer than me. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's just that everything's tied up in family dispute and shit like that. And I verified it. I don't know if it's bullshitting me. So I went and verified it. It's true. They're all tied up in family dispute. So nobody can touch it. But he's actually technically he's richer than me. Uh, he told me that I've only been looking at three streets within Humayun Purbasti. He took me to the other areas and there is not a very big uh, uh, northeastern population out there. Right. So there's clearly something where street food is mimicking the colony and it's actually able to predict it better than my own sampling bias, which was to see a large number of northeastern students and workers out there. But uh, you know what? Another thing about street food, street food is innovation. It drives innovation. For example, huge and much quicker, yeah. much quicker. So Calcutta street food. You know, uh, the uh, Chinese came during the Taiping Rebellion. There was huge migration during the Taiping Rebellion in the eighteen hundreds in uh, 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 China. Uh, it completely revolutionized the way. Uh, food was made because see like I said this is the competitive nature your neighbor Belpuri Wala has decided to come up with Chinese chaat he is making a lot of money doing Chinese chaat all your clientele is going there to eat the new thing on the block Chinese chaat which is what chaat with a bit of soy sauce and green chili sauce added to it hmm. But here, our poor man is losing out. So he immediately has to adapt and find Chinese chart. Right. Again, because his livelihood depends on it. The forces of capitalism work much quicker, faster, and therefore spur innovation much, much, much quicker. Here than they do uh, in say a five star where the trickle down is a lot uh, slower and a lot later. Yeah. And isn't this world entire, the genre, which is called Indian Chinese food. Isn't this also like pretty much a street food thing? Like uh, it has come from the street food and has been mainstreamed, right? But the yes, and no. cook yes Nepali and no. Um, Nepali cooks mostly, but, uh, Indian Chinese is very much something from the 1800s when there's a huge Chinese migration happening into India, specifically into Calcutta. Because Calcutta was someplace that offered it, offered fantastic business opportunities because the British you know, kept a relatively open market, uh, predictable market, compared to Maharajas who would change laws as it suited them, as we do in India mm -hmm. today. But the British did not as a rule, as a policy rule. Uh, the Chinese came in huge numbers. They actually set up restaurants and eating joints. They brought a lot of their restaurant culture, which is a lot of it at that time was in fact street food culture. Uh, you know, one of the best exemplars of this is all that snake in the monkey's shadow and monkey in the crane's shadow, all those movies. If you see Jackie Chan and people like that go into these tea house restaurants 
what in Canton becomes dim sum. Uh, they are essentially tea houses, but they are still restaurants. You still sit down. There is still not a street culture in that sense. And you remember when we categorized street food, we said seating was an important part of it. Right. So you had to sit and eat. There wasn't a mobile food culture. Uh, well, a stand and eat kind of culture that developed out there. Yeah. I, I I remember this. I think Mumbai has the most clear example of real innovation in the sense of pav bhaji and vada pav. I think those are two real mm. street uh, innovations that have, from the street, taken a has been taken a, a complete turn and has been mainstreamed in mainstream restaurants also in India. But yeah, if you look at trace the history of the vada pav and the pav bhaji, it literally is a Mumbai innovation that has. Um, taken an avatar of its own and another major but also, item I also Kalakhatta why do you leave Kalakhatta. out Kalakhatta it's Chapati and Juhu's biggest export because remember you do not have that concept anywhere else in the world where a syrup mm-hmm. with uh, Khatta Mita syrup is given and you take ice and keep dipping it in there and yekarofying uh, it so that's yeah. also been a great innovator so just one last question before I take the audience questions now. Do you think specific regions in India and specific cuisines in India are more street food friendly? I'll give you an example to make you understand this better. Like let's say Gujarati snacks or Marathi snacks. Hmm. They are very street food friendly. Are they more street food friendly, let's say, in comparison to other cuisines in India? Uh I don't know how to answer that because this was something I was wondering. I'll tell you what, Gujarati and Marathi street foods are mobile foods. You take a vada pav and you walk away. As opposed to a gol gappa wala where you can't walk away. You have to wait for each gappa to be filled, each goal to be filled with gappa. I don't know what is the water and what is what. But uh, you can't walk away, no? till your 10 golgappas or 8 golgappas, whatever your quota is for uh, 30-40 rupees is finished. You have to wait there and eat. Uh, a vada pav, you eat like a burger just like that. Whereas a dosa or idli street food corner, you have to eat it with your hands. Your hands get dirty uh, uh, and you can't just walk away eating it. And this is where, you know, the categorization of finger food, mobile food, non-mobile food. So, for example, in uh, uh, Vietnam, almost none of the street food is mobile. It's a very involved street food culture where you sit, Thailand, you sit down and you eat. They're very complicated dishes. Like I said, hyper-specialization, superb food, very complicated. You sit and eat a bowl of noodle soup. You can't fur. Uh, spe- uh, written P-H-O but spelt F-U-R uh, pronounced F-U-R uh, is one of those things where it's a breakfast dish that's quickly made that actually requires about 24 hours of preparation before that which you have to sit there and eat so I don't know if one is uh, on the other hand so for example in Madras we don't have so many chart vendors even to this day, if you want chat, you have to go to a place called Gangotri opposite Stella Maris College. And nobody knew if you were going there to wink at the girls or to eat chat. 
most of the dirty fellows used to go to eat chat just to be able to wink at the girls and not get caught by the police because they'd say we've come here to eat chat not to wink at the girls even though they'd be wolf whistling uh, the girls coming out of Stella Maris College okay uh, or if you want samosas and kachodis they're impossible to find in Madras you have to go to the Marwadi areas like Saukar Pet and places like that to get them on the other hand Italy dosa even biryani Pakodas and bhaji. So pakodas, we make pakodas and bhajis in a very different way. Our pakodas are only piyaz ki pakodi. They're fried to a crisp, what we would call a piyaju. Uh, and our uh, bhajis are what you call a pakoda, which is the besan ka coating, but they're made mostly from raw banana. Kacche kele ka hum pakoda khate hain, we call it bhaji. This is the street food culture that you will get. Surprisingly, chow mein, you will get on the street. But you will not get golgappas on the street. You will not get uh, 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 kachoris or samosas on the street. Non-existent. Those vendors just don't exist. Right. Uh, but is one more friendly to street food or the other? How do you answer that? Uh, because yeah. again, there is mobile street food. There is non-mobile street food. There is get your hands dirty street food. There is not get your hands dirty street food. I last time I was in Mumbai, I saw no last to last time because the last time I had uh, 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 obscenely priced dinner with you. Uh, but before that, uh, there was a dosa stand who chopped up the dosa and served it to me with a fork where you can eat it without your hands getting dirty. And I was like, dude, this is innovation. It's fantastic. And after that, I came to Delhi railway station where they serve all kinds of dosas with uh, paneer filling, Chinese filling, noodle filled dosas, noodle stuffed dosas, uh, chow mein dosa uh, with chow mein stuffed, in, chow mein cheese dosa, chow mein with cheese on it, gratinated with cheese on it, stuffed inside a dosa, uh, who also have started chopping up their dosas and serving them with forks so that you can eat them. Uh, so what is more friendly to street food, I don't know. I think generally, if you're heavily urbanized, you will develop a street food culture. <clears throat> I've not yeah. come across a single city where I haven't seen... Oh, actually, hang on. Uh, Vishakapatnam. But then the last time I was in Vishakapatnam was 20 years back and there was no great street food culture out there. Uh, if somebody is from Vishakapatnam, one of our viewers or has been there of late, feel free to fill me in. I guess it, it, the <coughs> biggest factor in, in in all of this is utility. The thing with Vada Pao, Kati Roll, is that you can pick it up and go. And, you know, in a city like Mumbai, where you're constantly on the run, and, and I don't know how to say this, time is very precious in Mumbai because of the horrifying traffic jams. So I guess that is just kind of picked and has a, you know, has a utilitarian uh, advantage but it must be sticking to mumbai okay now let's start taking questions we'll start from the bottom and then we'll go to the latest one so okay this one the first one was is indian street in our indian street food analogs similar to soviet canteen food the, they are in a different cultural context one is communist other is free market but they share a lot of similar characteristics from economics to origins and no. urbanizations what did abhijit find no, no, no. There is absolutely... Boss, I lived in the USSR. I lived for three years in the USSR under Yuri Andropov and Mikhail Garbachev. There is no comparison at all. 
Russian canteen food was absolute shit. It was like the shit you eat in McDonald's or something. I I haven't been into a McDonald's or a KFC or ordered from there for the last 15 to 20 years. I refuse to eat that crap. Okay. Uh, They were chains. Everyone had standardized recipes. Everyone had, uh, uh, you know, these standardized, uh, uh, everybody had to standardize. So if the Politburo decided that one shitty recipe for something was uh, uh, not, uh, was good, every canteen, some canteens might have had better uh, thing than that. And there was no competition because wherever you went, the food tasted exactly the same. The, the same 15 sausages you would get from the same 15 factories. You could not produce your own sausages. You needed a license to produce your own sausage, which you could not do. Uh, the recipes were all standardized. It was actually the exact opposite of the system, which is why Soviet food was actually really, really bad. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they and the, the canteen system destroyed Russian food. People talk about how Stalin killed off millions of Russians. People don't talk about how much Russian culture was destroyed by the communists. Uh, by this kind of food homogenization. China never went down that path of food homogenization, which is why they recovered very quickly uh, you know, if you had been to Beijing 15, 20 years back, the food was bloody inedible. It was such utter crap. And after going to Hong Kong and having great food to go to Beijing and eat shit was shocking. On the other hand, I went to Beijing for a conference uh, four years back where there were a lot of Indians and vegetarian. We went to a Peking duck restaurant. And obviously, because it was a banquet, they the organizers had said they're going to be pure vegetarians, no egg, no fish. They had to specify, of course, no fish, no prawns, because their fish and prawns are vegetarian. Uh, it, it's called Amitava, Amitab, uh, the name of the Buddha. So it has to be Buddhist monk cuisine. It was exquisite. You know, we didn't pay attention to the Peking duck. All the Goras and everybody started attacking the vegetarian food. And they had exquisite stuff like herbs I've never heard of. You know, raw walnuts steamed in an oil and soy sauce with this herb nobody had had of. Everybody made a beeline for those walnuts and the stir-fried spinach and things like that out there. So it's uh, the USSR destroyed food. I want you to go read this thread. This is one of the few restaurants. It's, uh, hang on, let me just find it. I'm going to send it to you on uh, 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 this thing on uh, uh, WhatsApp, Kushal. Uh, 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 um, hmm. This is a place in uh, uh, Moscow. It's called Chemodan. It's okay. not a street food restaurant. Uh, this is, they had to put in so much academic effort. I spoke to the owner. And they don't know if it tastes like what it tasted like before. But they had to put in so much effort to re-engineer these recipes because the Soviets actually went and destroyed the old recipes. So, for example, what you call a Russian salad today, which is eggs, peas, carrots, potatoes in mayonnaise, uh, what is called a salad olivier, 
all of these had to be recreated based on their descriptions that they found. And see, you come here, uh, no, no, go up a bit, read what's, go up, 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 not down, up. So you see here, uh, click on the first, so right. So these are pickled mushrooms. Now you think what's pickled mushroom? Because if you ate Soviet pickled mushrooms, they were disgusting. This, on the other hand, I could finish off an entire bloody jar, no questions asked. You go to the next one, next photo, click mm -hmm. on the arrow on the right. Right. This is a frozen fish. Just served with onion and a little bit of oil and salt and pepper. It's actually more sophisticated than uh, um, uh, Japanese sashimi. Because it plays on the frozen texture and how that fish unfreezing in your mouth uh, interacts with your taste buds. Uh, click on the next one. Pork fat. This is just pork fat served with these things. Now, in the olden days, you would get pork fat sliced up in the USSR, but you would not get it served with these sauces and it brought a completely different flavor to it. And the next one is the most important one. Click on the next one. It's kholodiets, which is uh, uh, jelly. It's meat jelly, what you call an aspic in Western cooking. Uh, this used to be the most disgusting thing in Soviet food. And when I was talking to the owner of Chemadan, he was telling me that recreating this and making it good. Today, you will not find this on any menu, but you look at any cookbook, Western cookbook from the 60s and 70s. And aspic was an absolutely compulsory part of the meal. And I've never had an aspic that tasted good except this one. And this guy had to figure out and finally he found some czarist chef's cookbook that had been partially burnt in which he found the recipe. And he's like, this is a fantastic recipe. And I tried it and sure enough, it was a bloody fantastic recipe. And he never gave me the recipe. He didn't tell me what made it special. Because, you know, boiling meat and putting it in jelly is not very appetizing. This, on the mm -hmm. other hand, was amazing. So the Soviets, please do not compare Soviet shit with what Indian street food is. That's such an insult to Indian street food. Yeah. Okay. So the next one was, uh, even though India, I'm paraphrasing the question, even though India is majority non-vegetarian, although in the definition of non-vegetarian in India is not consuming meat every day, it is once a week also. But so do you uh, think Indians have done wonders? Consumption yeah, in India is very low. Would be low. Yeah. yeah. Because of the high so, cost but, of meat, yeah. And yeah. But do you income. think Indians have done wonders with veg food when it comes to all of this? Is the question when it comes oh, to even street food? Boss, when it comes to vegetarian food, there is no bloody country on earth that can compare to us. France at best has one vegetarian street food, which would be the buckwheat pancakes. Right. Uh, and that's about it. Remember, every other country does vegetarian food as meat substitute vegetarian food. They do not have a vegetarian cuisine, except maybe China, which I, like I mentioned, opened my eyes to Chinese vegetarian Buddhist food called Amitabha. Uh, Amitabha apparently works, uh, if you use the term in Japan also, it apparently works. 
It works in Thailand, it works in Cambodia, it works in Singapore, it works in Hong Kong, it works in mainland China. And the marker of that is actually a swastika. Do you know that? If you see a restaurant with a swastika on it, it means a Buddhist monk can eat and it is Hindu vegetarian, what Hindus call vegetarian. It's because a Western vegetarian will eat fish and seafood. An Indian vegetarian will not. Uh, so a Buddhist monk will follow that thing. And that is why the Amitabha sign with the swastika is a very important marker of that vegetarianism. So we have our vegetarian food is not a meat substitute cuisine. It's, it's, it's a cuisine all by itself. It is there mm-hmm. to celebrate the vegetables. Also, unlike the West, which has some vegetarian dishes, it is not a side dish to a main dish. The vegetable is the dish. It is your main. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is how it has always been. So it's uh, the trajectory was completely different. And what we have done with vegetarian food, nobody has been able to do with vegetarian. There is not one single country, community, anywhere that has been able to do with vegetarian food, what India has collectively done. Different parts. Hmm. So this question is very Tamil. And I think, sorry, just to add, I think... The most important part of that was how we use lentils. We're not a vegetarian country, we're a dalarian country. Uh, mm. Why? Dal is there in everything. Mm. Okay, there, there is not khichdi, pongal, uh, 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 idli mein urad dal, dosa mein urad dal, uh, panchmel dal. Uh, there is no part of India that does not have a dal. There is no part of India that does not have a dal mixing combination fermentation, this thing. Uh, we developed lentils as a protein substitute. It is the dalarianism that and the ability to reasonably mimic protein without killing an animal that has led to that kind of a cuisine. Other countries were not able to perfect protein substitution, which is why you had to have protein. Mm. Just so this it. is some, something very specific to Tamil Nadu. The person, the, the question is, why haven't they marketed this? And now I'll read what. So this person says, it was a revelation for me to discover great mutton eateries in Tamil Nadu. Uh, I never yes. thought I could get mind-blowing mutton outside Maharashtra too. Uh, why hasn't Tamil Nadu marketed its meat as much as any other thing? Uh, I don't know. See, all my friends that I take to all these mutton eateries, and by the way, if you, if you want to eat real mutton, it's not in Madras. You go to Madurai. Madurai is the capital of Tamil cuisine, not Madras. Uh, you go to mutton eateries out there. I've taken all my North Indian friends. They're like BC, MC, everything C. How have we not heard about this? How have we not eaten this? Because there is no celebration of Indian cooking, boss. They will tell you there is mutton chetinad and that's the only mutton. There is not only one mutton. There are about a hundred different Tamil mutton dishes. uh, Which you would have never even heard of. And this is why I'm seriously toying with my own cooking channel on YouTube. Uh, Maybe when the new house gets ready, I'll start it off. Because this house is not very optimal for filming. Uh, Neither is my mom's house because... 99% of the time there is some religious function and if I bring meat into the house she'll break both my hands Uh, so uh, 
No, no, I'm not kidding, boss. Uh, she. I is, know. They can't. There, there can't even be meat in the fridge. And basically, mm. if we cook meat, I have to finish it off that day itself. I can't leave it in the fridge for tomorrow day after or anything like that because invariably there's some other religious occasion on the next day. Okay. Uh, Kerala has some fantastic dishes. Andhra, do you know Andhra has such amazing mutton dishes and chicken dishes which you have never heard of? Kolkata. Okay, why is it that you've only heard? Why is it that when you hear Bengal, you only associate it with fish curry, machir chol? Have you even heard of something called doi mach, which is dahi me pakawa machi, which is, according to me, actually even better than a machir chol? Uh, when you go to Andhra, you've heard of the bloody Hyderabad biryani, which is one of the shittiest biryanis in a 5,000 kilometer radius. Uh, but have you heard of the Andhra Hindu mutton fry? No. Or Rayalu uh, Vepuru, uh, a prawn fry? You've never heard of it. Okay. Uh, you've, heard, you've all heard of Bengali Machir Jol. But have you heard of the kind of how many people, for example, in Maharashtra, how many restaurants will sell you fish ambotic? Very few. Very few, none. Most people won't even know what an ambotic is. But you know that name ambotic, you will get it right up to Sri Lanka where it is called an ambutail. Malu ambutail. Malu is fish for them. Uh, ambutail. Uh, but it's made mm. with tamarind. Okay, and all of them have this thing that the fish gets cooked with either mango or kokum or tamarind when kokum season is out and mango season is out because it's the sourness that adds to the fish. You wouldn't have heard of it. Are ye batao tumko mere ko. Have any of you actually had a proper Kashmiri Pandit Rogan Josh? I am yet to eat a Kashmiri Pandit Rogan Josh, a proper one. I have eaten lots of bullshit Rogan Joshes. I have eaten a lot of bullshit uh, uh, Kashmiri Yaknis. But that is still not a Kashmiri Pandit Rogan Josh. Yeah, that was not a Kashmiri Pandit okay. Rogan Josh. Okay. But uh, the Pandit Rogan Josh is next level and the best thing is there is no chopping involved in it. Usme bas heeng dalta hai. Heeng soft mirch dalta hai. Nahi to pyaaz dalta hai, nahi to lasan dalta hai, nahi to adrak dalta hai. There is no chopping to be done. It's all made with powders. That's it. No dahi bhi nahi padeta usne. Dahi to bilkul hi nahi dalna chahiye usne. But everybody will put onion and this and that and exotic spices. They'll put 15 different spices. And in the end, you can't taste the bloody mutton. Delhi ki biryani boss. You know, yeah. Delhi has a very specific biryani that does not have onions in it. And it has uh, green uh, hari mirchi ka achar on top of it. You go to old Delhi, you will get it in some shops. Street vendors which is the classic Dilli ki Degi Biryani. On the other hand, you try ordering on Zomato, everybody who says Purani Dilli ki Biryani, Benchod ek bhi Purani Dilli ki Biryani nahi bechta hai. Wo apni mami ka Biryani ko Purani Dilli ki Biryani karke bechta hai, sala. Aur uska mami ka Biryani itna achcha bhi nahi hai, sala. 
पता नहीं कैसे मम्मी थी कैसे बकवास बिरयानी बनाती थी उसका खराब बिरयानी बना बना के उसका दिमाग एडल करती थी इट इज 99% ऑफ व्हाट दे से पुरानी दिल्ली की बिरयानी ऑन जोमैटो रेस्टोरेंट्स इज बुलशिट इन दिल्ली यू वांट गेट ऑथेंटिक दिल्ली फूड बॉस द कोरमा एट करीम्स आई हैव रिवर्स इंजीनियर्ड इट बाय द वे I actually took it to a chemical engineer to find out what the hell was in it, and I managed to reverse engineer it. It's the simplest recipe. It's technically very demanding, but in numbers of ingredients, it's only got about ten, fifteen ingredients. Every other restaurant in Delhi will sell you Kareem's ka original mutton korma. It will be inedible because they put all kinds of crap like kaju, badam, pista, pista. They substitute knowledge with ingredients. उसका टेस्ट नहीं आ रहा है तो और पंद्रह स्पाइसेस डालो सो एंड दिस इज अ प्रॉब्लम व्हिच इज वेरी यूनिक टू दिल्ली बिकॉज इवन इन दिल्ली फूड सीक्रेट्स यू हैड द बावरची एंड द खानसामा द बावरची स्पेशलाइज्ड इन द टेक्निक्स द खानसामा स्पेशलाइज्ड इन द स्पाइस मिक्सचर्स एंड दे वुंट टॉक टू ईच अदर इट वाज अ वे ऑफ गार्डिंग इंडस्ट्रियल सीक्रेट्स It was always passed on from father to son, so there was no official codification, formalization, and all of that. ठीक है ना? तो दिल्ली में तुमको दिल्ली असली दिल्ली का खाना नहीं मिलता है, boss. अरे butter chicken ले लो, the original butter chicken had no onion in it. You know that? Okay, I did not know this. Yeah, you go to any bloody recipe on YouTube that says butter chicken or paneer butter masala. They will all insist टमाटर के साथ प्याज और काजू लगा के प्रेशर कुक करो और प्याज और उसी प्रेशर कुक प्याज और काजू के साथ मेक इट इन टू अ पेस्ट बुलशिट इमेजिन इन डेली विच इन्वेंटेड द बटर चिकन यू कैनॉट गेट ऑथेंटिक बटर चिकन देर इज वन चुतिया कॉल दरियागंज हु सेल्स ऑथेंटिक authentic butter chicken ऑथेंटिक बटर चिकन माई एस माई फैट हेरी cholesterol laden ugly fucking multiple cheeked ass khatas usme bas desi tomato se aata tha aur thodi si khatti dahi it wasn't even khatti dahi it was at a very specific stage of dahi where it hadn't become khatta yet but there was a slight acidity in it theek hai It is mind-boggling. Arey, you are talking about not getting Tamil mutton, even knowledge of Tamil mutton anywhere else. You go to YouTube, and I challenge you. I am challenging you, and this is. I'm sorry, I'm committing something on behalf of the Sham Sharma Show. I'm not false committing on uh, BMW, but Kushal, if you can back me up, किसी को एक T-shirt of their choice भेजेंगे. आप भेजेंगे. मैं भेज दूँगा. If they if they find a YouTube recipe for butter chicken. That does not involve onions and kaju in it. Do you know how expensive kaju were in those days? Butter chicken was meant to be chicken for the poor person. Mm-hmm. Nobody could afford to bloody put kaju in those days, boss. Bhooli jao tum. Hmm. Hmm. So it the knowledge we take no pride in our food. You look at the. Pride the Italians and the Spanish and the French take in their food. 
China has huge historical sources so people are able to delve into their food. There is still no classification and categorization like uh, uh, Spain, Italy and France and Europe now is developing. Uh, the Russians are finding it very hard to go back to the original sources. The Americans ke to bencho to koi sources hai nahi. It's all bloody invented food and. Bhai, bol bat. Aaj Twitter pe ek rating aaye. American food is the eighth best in the world. Mera pehla question tha. American food kya? First of all, first of all, first of all, I don't, don't take these ratings seriously. Please, I do not take ratings of uh, 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 democracy and press freedom seriously, and I do not take ratings of food seriously. You can't compare two different cuisines. Okay, uh, to, to to compare Canada cuisine to Assamese cuisine, what the fuck, man? They're two completely different regions, completely different ingredients. What is good to somebody will be good to uh, somebody else. Yeah, look, yeah, look. Taste Atlas Awards two thousand two twenty two. Yeah, look. America, look. Number eight. ये अमेरिकी ने कितना पैसा खिलाया होगा ये लोगों को अपने Mm-hmm. That I know. The pasta you eat here is entirely Indian because the pasta you get here, uh, when I you know when I go to Rome, I stay with my friend Francesca. I wish I could do a live reaction with her. Uh, you know, uh, I took my research assistant with me, and the poor guy he was being fed uh, 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 just pasta with plain tomatoes sauce and uh, buffalo the um, uh, mozzarella the buffalo uh, buffalo mozzarella on the side, and he was eating it and he was saying. दीदी बहुत अच्छा है हाँ अभिजीत तुम्हारे को कैसा लगा बहुत अच्छा है बहुत अच्छा है दीदी एंड हिज आईज वेर गोइंग भैया ये मैं क्या खा रहा हूँ मैं भूख से मरने वाला सो वन डे क्वाइटली एट नाइट आई हैड टू मेक एन इंडियन स्टाइल पास्ता विथ लॉट्स ऑफ चिलीज एंड और एगनो एंड थिंग्स एंड शी फ्रीकड आउट कंप्लीटली शी स्टार्ट स्क्रीमिंग एट हिम एंड एट मी सेनो What is this? What are you making? We would not even feed this to the dog, Abby. You are insulting me. You staying in my house and you are insulting me. Oh, bawal ho gaya tha. You won't believe. Serious bawal ho gaya. You are laughing, but bawal, actual bawal ho gaya. She said okay. I was feeding people dog food in her house. Oh my god. and let me honestly tell you this if you go in italy finding good food is very rare 90% of the places serve absolute shit food you need to know where to go and eat mm. okay uh, in greece <coughs> you tell me one modern bloody greek dish that everybody's eaten italy at least you can say sapne pizza pasta khaya hai have any of you eaten souvlaki uh, have any Mere of you eaten moussaka ये मुझे नहीं मालूम क्या सुवलाकी मैंने एक बार ट्राई किया पर यहां हां तो इधर सुवलाकी कौन खाता है इधर ये सो हाउ इज इट द बेस्ट फूड बॉस योर रेटिंग अमेरिकन फूड ओवर थाई फूड आर यू फकिंग किडिंग मी डेडी छोड़ना अमेरिकन फूड ओवर चाइनीस फूड अमेरिकन फूड ओवर चाइनीस फूड इट इज देशो यू नो दीस दीस लिस्टिकल्स यू नो I used to get told to compose listicles all the time. Why? Because it attracts attention. 
you put in your own opinion out there there are no objective indicators but it produces very strong reactions so listicles with four methodologies like the vdem democracy index or the press freedom index or listicles like this which have just been concocted out of thin air they get a lot of hits they get a lot of engagement because they're meant to rile people up hmm that's all it is honestly that's all it yeah, is that's all it uh is. yeah it's 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 a it's a damn uh, disgrace um um i don't know so okay this was a good question i enjoyed this question hyderabadi street food ranges from south indian to maharashtrian to gujarati to old city cuisine but they are in areas of those communities only uh yes. is this phenomenon purely because of market economics where basically the market uh, de- decides what's going to be sold where no no it's a it's a pre-modern phenomenon of ghettoization mm. okay uh, so for example in delhi bengali street food you'll get in cr park it'll be very hard for you to find it outside cr park why so remember this is what i said like even though I, my false sampling was three streets which were heavy in north uh, northeastern folks uh, <coughs> uh i was wrong and in fact the guy that i ordered chinese food from once he sent me chili chicken without the bloody batter fried uh, chicken and i called him up and yelled at him and said bhai ye tune chili fry uh, chili chicken or pork manchurian bina batter ke bas pork ko roast karke aur chicken ko aise hi tal ke tumne kyon bheja hai like sir no, wo northeastern log bol rahe the na idhar jo northeastern log hain to unko satisfy karne ke liye humne kiya par wo sab abhi complain kar rahe and within one week he switched back to the batter fried things that we know and love so much and he learned the hard way that northeasterners were not the ones who determined the economies of scale in humayunpur so it is a very accurate reflection of ghettos and where people are localized fair enough fair enough okay uh someone says a geography channel informed the portuguese gave tempura to japan and samosa to india perhaps a different filling if true was such street food accepted and evolved like vegetables from americas samosa portuguese adek mere ko food history malum nahi hai to main kuch zyada bolunga nahi samosas are apparently mogal because you know nobody taught us how to uh, form a dough out of wheat that we grew in abundance <laughs> stuff it with something and fry it in oil mm. uh it's the same with the japanese uh nobody taught them Uh, they could easily get wheat from china nobody taught them how to make a batter put a prawn into it and dip it into hot oil till the portuguese came i have actually read stories of how you know the chettinad court courtyard houses with the central courtyard mm-hmm. were also introduced by the dutch and the portuguese dutch there ko kya tropical country lagta hai rancho holland pata hai kitna thanda hota hai but they they introduced uh, the tropical architecture to sri lanka aise chutiya pa sunai to nahi i don't but know. they do this so you know when you don't have tempura uh, i have read a lot of stories to say that the uh, uh, portuguese introduced it i have spoken to a lot of people in japan who completely reject that version of events because the history of fried foods in china and korea is very very old 
And they're like, look, we had, uh, you know, the main part of formal Japanese, which is kanji, uh, hiragana, katakana, the two local scripts. Kanji is the Chinese characters. They're like, look, our histories are about China. Our histories are about our interactions with China. Most of our culture and things come from China. But yeah, we had to wait for the Portuguese to come to introduce frying to us. Something that the Chinese had been doing for 2000 bloody years. Are you joking? So remember this Portuguese introducing tempura to the Chinese, uh, to the Japanese, is like Mughals bringing biryani to India. Yeah, Mughals got everything in India. Uske pehle India mein Haan, Mughals got everything. Yes, we didn't know anything about it. We didn't teach it. Okay, this question is very important. Hai. Why has Indian food become such a spice bomb? Robbing original taste of the veggies, meats. Like, well, have you actually tried to identify? Because even street food, I think it's like the whole world's warm masala. Yeah, uh, and you know, the, the worst is like I told you, the butter chicken with the uh, onion and cashew in it. Hmm. Uh, also, Sarsunka Saag. You know, the original Sarsunka Saag had virtually nothing in it. It was about the beauty of that flavor of the Sarsunka Saag. for flavor. It used to be pure Sarsunka Saag. Last me ghee ka tadka lagta tha. Ghee me lassan ka tadka lagta tha. Okay. Uh, what has happened is you have first, we're coming out of a particularly disastrous phase of Indian food. And I'll tell you why. There have been two counter currents happening. One is the elitification of food. Uh, and the second is the normalization of elitification. And the third, of course, is the loss of knowledge. So the elitification of food is that when a country suddenly grows rich rapidly, which India has in the last 20, 30 years, we are no longer on the verge of famine like we were for the first 30, 40 years of our independence and or uh, financial default. We've not been on the verge of financial default since 1991. Narsimha created a whole middle class now, which has added huge money part to the market. There is a great demand for the food of the palaces and the elite, which were extremely complicated. But the foods of the elite and the palace is, has never been the definition of culinary sophistication. Italian food and French food. French food has become kind of shishi. But Italian food, today what you know is Italian food is the cucina povera the kitchen of the poor. They had very few ingredients and so they thought very carefully about what they did with it and they used it with great precision. As opposed to the rich who had everything and used to make things that tasted like absolute shit. So if you read one of the earliest cookbooks is the Renaissance cookbook by the chef called Scappi. He was the chef to the uh, uh, Borgia Pope in the, 40, in the 1500s. Uske mushroom pie ke liye, 100 grams of mushroom, 100 grams of sugar, because sugar was super expensive in those days, and 100 grams of cinnamon. 
सौ ग्राम मशरूम के लिए सौ ग्राम दालचीनी बहनचोद और सौ ग्राम चीनी इट्स ऑलमोस्ट लाइक गुजराती फूड तू अचार बना रहा है या हलवा बना रहा है सेक्शन ऑफ गुजरात नॉट ऑल गुजराती फूड इज मीठा नो मॉड मॉडर्न गुजराती फूड एंड यू नो वाई नॉट मॉडर्न आई शुड से रैशनल फॉर एडिंग द शुगर हैज बिन लॉस्ट यू नो वाई गुजराती इज एडेड शुगर टू देर फूड खारा पानी एग्जैक्टली सॉल्ट वॉटर मोस्ट ऑफ द वॉटर वॉज सॉल्ट वॉटर आउट देर सो टू काउंटरैक्ट द सॉल्ट शुगर वॉज एडेड and fresh water was very precious you'd only use it for drinking and nothing else okay uh in this particular case because they wanted to show off sugar is 5000 rupees a kilo i can afford it therefore i'll put it cinnamon is even more expensive and in india we do not use cinnamon we use cassia do you know the difference between cinnamon and cassia i'm asking our audience कश्मीर What you call mutton is goat meat. Goat is goat meat. Okay, uh, lamb has a very specific connotation. Up to six months, it is called a lamb. From six months to two years, it is called a hogget, H-O-G-G-E-T. And over two years, it's called mutton. And that's why you have the expression mutton dressed up as lamb. We do not eat mutton, hogget. or lamb in this bloody country we eat goat up to 6 months up to a year apparently it's called a kid we eat kids a uh, kid this is basically oh, the gai ka version of veal na yeah uh, over one year it is called shevon and that's a new term shevon it's 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 been concocted in the last few years to give a because uh, you know the reason uh, 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 poor man's food and this has to do with the norman conquest of england in english poor man's food which was fish and poultry the meat and the animal were the same rich man's food which were four legged creatures the animal and the meat served on the table were different because the lords were all french normans they used to speak french so the meat was given the french name you don't call cow meat cow meat so the animal retained the english name cow but the meat called the french word for cow which is boeuf the animal was called pig but the meat served to the nobility was not called pig meat it was called pork because it's a french word right so each thing we do not if you see a restaurant that says lamb walk out of there because jo chutia ek goat aur ek ek bakre aur bhed ke beech mein jo difference nahi janta hai wo tatti aur khane ke beech mein difference nahi janta for all you know it be serving you fried shit cakes 
and, uh, and, and, and just I did not audience, know this until Michelle, I went can, to America. Can you bring up what a sheep looks like and what a goat looks like on Google? Okay, I'll do it. Wait. Sheep versus goat karta na? And and you know the thing is the older sheep get, they mm. smell like sweaty armpits and uh, like uh, lick, after you've sweated all day without taking a bath for three days, lick your armpit. That's what lamb, uh, not lamb, but mutton yeah. tastes like. Older lamb, two year old uh, sheep. Sheep like. versus goat. Yeah. Okay. So look at this. On your right is a sheep. On your left is a goat. They are not the same animal. They're not even the same class of animal. They're roughly, <coughs> they're roughly bovine, but uh, <coughs> uh, one is a caprinus something and the other uh, sheep wiki. What is the um, Ovis Aries? Okay, uh, so sheep wiki me agar tum dekhoge. Uh, Tribe Caprini, Ovis, and Ovis Aries. And Goat Tumagar Wikipedia Medekoge. Goat Wiki. It comes under Caprini, but it's Capra. It's Capra Hircus. Goat is Capra Hircus. Lamb is Ovis Aries. Hmm. Okay. We do not. And do you know the reason? The British decided to call it mutton, knowing full well it wasn't a lamb. I don't know. Because in, in Christianity, lamb is the uh, 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 representative of God, which is why Christ is called the shepherd to his flock. Mm. Anus Mar- Dei, the lamb of God. Uh, you're meant to eat. A shepherd is meant to eat the sheep. Uh, the goat represents the devil. They didn't want to seem to be eating devil meat. What was not blessed by God. It was an early form of... Uh, it was the Christian form of hum pork nahi khayenge. Mm. You did not eat goat. It, it, it was diabolical. In some places, of course, there's always exceptions. Like in Kerala, Hindus eat beef. Hmm. Uh, so in Sicily, they used to eat goat because of the Muslim influence. In hmm. southern Italy, again, they used to eat goat because the Muslims started that thing. In Spain, again, in, in the Muslim conquered parts of Europe, they ate goat. In the non-Muslim conquered parts of Europe, they did not eat goat. तो बहनचोद अगर तुम खुद एक एनिमल के डिफरेंस को नहीं देख सकते हो तो क्या तुम अपना खाना क्लासिफाई करोगे स्टैंडर्डाइज करोगे द प्रोसेस इज सो करप्ट इट इज सो करप्ट इवन इफ यू ट्राई टू क्लासिफाई इट द ब्लडी दरियागंज वाला विल पे मनी एंड से कि ओरिजिनल रेसिपीज व्हाट दरियागंज हैज uh, with uh, kaju, pista, badam, blah, blah, bullshit. And so what we do is because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge of technique, a lack of knowledge of ingredients, a lack of sensitivity to what was available, we substitute by adding spices and ingredients. 
Mm. When you can't replicate something properly, you know that uh, uh, Kareem's ka mutton korma. I told you, even though it's only got about ten, twelve ingredients, it's one of the toughest dishes to make because the browning of the onion there is key. अगर ठीक से ब्राउन नहीं किया टेस्ट नहीं आएगा बहुत ब्राउन कर कर दिया तो कड़वा हो जाएगा सो द ब्राउनिंग ऑफ दैट अनियन इज सो क्रिटिकल टू दैट डिश नो मैटर व्हाट एल्स यू डू दैट ब्राउनिंग ऑफ द अनियन विल इधर मेक द डिश और ब्रेक द डिश पीपल डोंट रियलाइज दैट सो व्हाट डू यू डू यू ऐड 15 मोर डिफरेंट स्पाइसेस और टमाटर एंड गॉड नोस व्हाट नॉट इन ऑर्डर टू कॉम्पेंसेट फॉर द फैक्ट दैट यू हैवंट बीन एबल टू क्रैक शिट Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, two, three last questions. We'll wrap it up. Yeah. So, actually, this is basically reiterating what you have said. Uh, it basically says that I don't see many new mothers investing in cooking. Will this affect our food culture and will promote more processed food? Because, like, keeping cookbooks, memorizing those things, and passing it down to the generation is going basically. So, what you, you know what's saying. what's actually happening is. Uh, youtube even though there youtube has its faults what i find is that there's a whole genre of people not vetted by the editorial class to become celebrity chefs who are finding an audience and my faith is in youtube cooks to keep these things alive these old recipes alive i found true gems on youtube hmm. things that no celebrity chef ever taught me i've learned more from unknown youtube chefs home cooks then i have from all our fucking uh, celebrity chefs uh, uh, combined i did the cordon bleu course i did a masters in gastronomy i've learned more from these youtube guys than i ever did in my masters in gastronomy or uh, uh, the cordon bleu chef school hmm okay uh, so like i said there's an elitization because indians now want more expensive food they want it to be fancied up with kaju and pista and badam and all of that there is this thing that instead of becoming simpler indian food is getting more complicated uh there is actually looking down at simple foods involved the second is because ingredients have now become available you can order it online adrak lassan ka paste taza not taza i mean the shit out of a packet you get it everywhere you don't have to grind it you get idli dosa batter in packets being sold crappy but you get it so there is that homogenization happening which is further diluting your individual food cultures the urbanization like i said because it acts as a homogenizing a melting pot that homogenizes everything that is uh, 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 doing its own uh, this thing i think we will reach a stage where we finally start taking interest in our history and going back to finding the individual origins but that mm-hmm. like the, what the kuznets curve does with climate uh, i think we, let's call it the abhijit curve that when you reach i'm claiming dibs on this i'm claiming patent on this that once per capita income reaches about 10000 dollars per capita we will start going back to simple fo- original foods getting less spicy in the sense and i don't mean spicy by chili i mean by putting 15 where 2 will do mhm mhm right understanding what those are understanding the difference between cinnamon and cassia understanding the difference between lamb and goat got hmm. it got it got it kisi ne pucha hai kya shahi paneer mein bhi cashew nut paste thi kya original 
ये बंदा अच्छा पंजाबी होगा कोई देख भाई शाही पनीर देर इज नो रिकॉर्ड ऑफ शाही पनीर हिस्टोरिकल पॉश and your shahi paneer is basically malai this is this new fangled punjabi cook thing uh, anything to become posh kaju dal do aur badam dal do aur malai dal do usme hmm aur zarurat se zyada dal do ha wo 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 bhi hai chal main tere ko last abhi question puchunga irritate karne wala kyunki main tujhe irritate karke bhejna chahta hu is india ready to embrace chocolate samosa and why are we trying to add oreo in every street food <laughs> you should see those videos of people adding chocolate वो साला नॉट ऑन ट्विटर नहीं तो फिर अब तक मैं उसकी हत्या कर देता वो कौन था जो ट्विटर में यही शेयर करने का बिजनेस बीजेपी में ही है सबसे वाहियात घटिया घटिया चॉकलेट चाउमिन पता नहीं क्या क्या शेयर करते रहता है वो चुतिया उसकी तो मैं पूरा खानदान को मैं मिटा के रख दूंगा those 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 are the worst worst videos one can actually see in their life har cheez mein na ye street uh, see why i think those street vendors make those things i am trying to rationalize it those videos are so they want annoying. to go viral on youtube they want to go viral and then usi interest se log udhar aayenge aur baki cheeze khayenge isko ignore karenge that's what it's going to happen i think that is it. anyways chalo we'll end but chal ek last tere hisab se which street food have you enjoyed the most and you want to go back again and again and then obviously audience we comments will likhe aapne sabse zyada i will start by saying which one i have enjoyed the most in my life i think delhi street food personally maine sabse zyada enjoy kiya main jabki main khud mumbai wala hu magar delhi street food i have enjoyed the most i think because i have a punjabi palate so i guess i enjoyed delhi street food more kolkata gaya nahi hai to kuch hai nahi baki tera kya आई थिंक जोधपुर एंड कैलकाटा जोधपुर के दो मारवाड़ी स्नैक्स लाइक स्पेशली प्याज की कचौड़ी आर लाइक नेक्स्ट लेवल आउटस्टैंडिंग एंड कलकत्ते की चाट स्पेशली द गोल गपाज वॉट वी कॉल फुचकाज आउट देर आई डोंट नो वॉट दे डू टू इट बट इट जस्ट आई बिन ट्राइंग आई ट्राइड इंडस्ट्रियल एस्पियोनाज आई सेट आउटसाइड स्टॉल विथ बाइनोक्यूलर्स फॉर लाइक फोर फाइव आवर्स ट्राइंग टू स्पायर दैम एंड फिगर आउट वॉट द uh it their golgappas but i would say chaat for me i crave chaat alu tikki especially belpuri and uh, uh golgappas uh and uh jodhpur mein jodhpur ke pyaaz ki kachori i can literally sit and even if my stomach is bursting i can have 10 bloody kachoris in one go और जब वो हाथ लगते हैं आई हाइड देम सो दैट नोबडी एल्स एट होम गेट्स टू ईट देम 
Yeah, it, it, it's okay. So, yeah, somebody had asked the question about uh, what is the best food for brew collar workers. Well, it, that cannot be determined by uh, what is healthy or unhealthy. Uh, a lot of factors you come can, in. You can. Uh, you can. You definitely need a lot of vitamins Efficiency. and stuff. Efficiency. Efficiency. Uh, you you need some protein for sure, but mostly you need a lot of carbs. Yeah. So basically, factory me kya hota hai? Method ko batata hu. As someone who's run a factory all his life, jiske wahan pe full time cook tha, khana banta tha, khana diya jata tha. So basically, kya hota hai ki chawal workers ko bahut zada lagta hai. Workers, me workers ki baat kar raha hu. Staff chawal kam khata tha, workers chawal bahut zada khate the. Abhi hamare yahan pe kya tha? Maharaj vegetarian tha. To wo उसका क्लियर था मैं हाथ नहीं लगाऊंगा मीट को मेरे को बोलना नहीं तो प्रोटीन के लिए वो हमेशा दाल देता था बाकी चावल होते थे जिसको रोटी चाहिए थी थी रोटी देता था और कभी कभी वो पकोड़े बनाता था या वड़ा पाव बनाता था या वो जो ब्रेड पकोड़ा मालूम है जो दिल्ली में बनता है ब्रेड का बेसन का पकौड़ा वो होता था नाश्ते में चाय के साथ सो दिस यूज टू बी दिस इज योर स्टैंडर्ड फूड इफ यू गो टू हायर आजकल Jaipur or Jodhpur, may you get a bread, better bread pakoras than you do in Delhi, because that filling that they put in is much tastier than the sada aloo filling that they put in in uh, 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 this in uh, 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 the Delhi ka pakora. In Delhi ka bread pakora, they put plain aloo with just some hari mirch and onion, and they put some uh, some places they put paneer. Um, I don't like that. I much prefer the spicy, जो कचौड़ी जो मैंने बोला था ना प्याज की कचौड़ी फिटिंग वो डाल के वो वो ब्रेड पकौड़ा के ब्रेड के बीच में सैंडविच लगा के उसका पकौड़ा बनाते हैं इट टेस्ट लव प्योर लव Fantastic. So on that note, we'll end today's podcast. But before we end, for the record, guys, I have been after Abhijit's life to start a cooking-related YouTube channel since the day I know Abhijit. FII. Abhijit cannot walk away from this because I am the guy who has forced him the most to start it. So one request to all of you who watch this video: comment me Abhijit ko bolna channel chalu kar because he is the best man to start it. But he doesn't do it because he's lazy, and I know why he doesn't do it because he's lazy. Or Alas ke. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to starting it when the new house gets ready. I've always been searching for the correct um, presentation matters, boss. Whether we like it or not, uh, uh, presentation really matters. The camera angles matter. The sound matters. The lighting matters. It, it really, it can either make like, for example, in a podcast. The correct lighting. Do you remember how many times you tell me, Abhijit, apna internet fix kar, apna lighting fix kar, apna audio fix kar, apna camera fix kar. And now my it it's been like fifty, sixty episodes of Sham Sharma show where nobody's made a joke about my internet. These days, the jokes are all about Sham Sharma's internet <laughs> or Kushal's yeah. internet. Nobody jokes about my internet anymore. It can either make an experience or destroy an experience. the presentation is extremely important and i'm trying to learn slowly about cameras and food photography i'm doing courses about it because i want to be on solid ground when i start the best recipe you will not know it is the best recipe unless it's presented to you in a proper way awesome and and you know when you start it i'll be the first person specially to fly down to delhi just for the channel and i will make sure that all the sound and everything <coughs> I will fly specially for that to Delhi. We'll end on that note. So, as always, buddy, pleasure talking to you. Good to see you back. Now we'll be back every month. And इतना सारा street food के बारे में बात किया, मगर तू खुद limit में खाना. 
Mm. I'm going to go grind dosa bat, uh, idli batter today. Tomorrow I'm going to Anand Ranganathan's house for dinner and I wanted to show him my idlis are better than Murugan Idli shop, softer than Murugan Idli shop. So I am uh, uh, grinding the batter today so that it ferments overnight. Uh, and tomorrow I will steam the idlis fresh with, I've already made the sambar and the chutney. Uh, not the chutney, the sambar and the gunpowder. I'll make the chutney fresh tomorrow and I will steam the idlis fresh just before I go to his house tomorrow. Awesome. I, I, I hope you guys have a good time. And as always, guys, uh, hopefully Abhijit will also finally win his case in Twitter and be back on Twitter. Twitter is boring without him. And uh, you guys know the drill. Please subscribe to the channel. Like this video, leave your comments. Tell me which is your favorite street food in India and maybe some joints. You know, we need to prop. See, we, you know, Amir Logo ki bahut zarurat hoti hai. Society needs rich people. But the society also, we have to. Street food is always about the underdog. And, you know, I love street food. So if there is a particular joint in your area, so let the comment section be a repository of all the awesome street food joints of India so that, you know, anybody wants to go anywhere, they can just look at the comment section. Okay, here go, brother, here go. So let us support these people at the same time. Don't eat unhealthy. If you've done it once, then it's okay. Eat the rest of I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Ta -ta, bye. Uh, Kya ho Sorry, not, necessary, not necessarily unhealthy. Number one. Ah, and number two, if, if any of you in the comments leave something saying go to Oberoi, Taj or anybody five-star hotel to eat street food, I will personally find you and I will sacrifice you to the Aztec gods yes. in the most painful so, way possible. Yeah. So again, we will end the podcast now. Don't do that. And once again, please support the podcast. Become a member on YouTube, Fanmo, Patreon, Jaapibio. I'll see you next time. Bye.